Hey there, folks. Hey there, folks. Hey there, folks. <laughs> hey Hello, there, everybody. folks. <laughs> we can't laugh at ourselves. Well, hey there, folks. <laughs> I was wondering if I, you'd I, catch I, on. <laughs> I knew that's what you were doing. <laughs> this is the Slay Queens podcast. The Slay Queens podcast. Slay Queens is a podcast dedicated to the discussion of true crimes that occur within the queer community. This is a note to remember that the topics that we discuss can be very graphic and often lurid in nature. Listener discretion has been advised. Hey folks, before we get started, Ashley and I just wanted to pop on and let everybody know that this episode has been edited by your podcast editor. Yes, and if you have a podcast, you can contact him and receive two edited episodes totally free. You can find him on Instagram at yourpodcastedit. Save time, take your podcast to the next level. I love it. And hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome back to all the queens, kings, and folks. Welcome back to this lovely place that we like to call... The Slay Queens Podcast. That is correct. And we do something here. We take a deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. That is correct. I try to say it different every time. It's like a really... (laughs) (laughs) It's like a snowflake. No two introductions are alike. I... Appreciate that. That's what I try. I appreciate that. I think you do it loverly. Thank you. Loverly. Thank you. That was a reference to My Fair Lady, by the way. I would not have gotten that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's for all the that's for all the musical theater folks out there. I mean, I I like it was to, a poor reference, but I it like was a to reference. Say that I I was a musical theater nerd, but I don't go that. I don't. Nope. I would okay. not have gotten. It's that okay. One. I respect it. I respect I'm sorry. it. Sorry. You know what else I respect? What do you? The respect? queens, kings, and folks who yes. are either returning. Thank you. Or they're or, new. Or they're new and they're joining us for the first time. So welcome. 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 We are, in fact, the Slay Queens podcast. We talk about true crimes on the dark side of the rainbow, a.k.a. true crimes that occur within the queer community. We do. We also do another little queer thing here that we like to call the Rainbow Star. Rainbow because... I've Again? said it 17 times because <laughs> we are can we queer. Say queer in this yeah. episode? How many times can I say queer in the span of a minute and a half? Queer, 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 <laughs> queer, queer. Star, because we are spotlighting things, we are offering thank yous, we're making announcements or acknowledgements, and we are giving you all recommendations that I am going to officially say are not unsolicited, because if you're listening to this part of the episode, you knew what was coming, right? Yeah. You're here for this. I even warned you. If you were new, I warned you that this was going to happen. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying these are officially solicited recommendations and if you skip past then you're not even hearing this anyway so exactly so to all you who are listening thank you (laughs) thank you thank you (laughs) thank you okay i think the new per use is you spotlighting spotlighting things and we are going to spotlight our editor he does such wonderful good work for us a great job we love german uh your podcast editor you can find him on Instagram at your podcast edit, which I say in, I think, all of the introductions now, but that's fine. We just wanted, we realized we don't have much movement in, you know, our niche of the true crime world. We've been getting a decent amount of updates, which has been, yeah, it stinks to have to be reminded, but it's nice to finally have an, some justice and an ending. But this week we don't have much going on. So we wanted to talk about him for a, for a minute and say, hey. We love you, and anybody else who needs their podcast edited should reach out because he's great. He he's amazing. A great job. He's done a lot of really good hard work for us recently as we have moved into a new space, and mm-hmm. we're all trying to figure out the best way to sound in kind of this uh, new environment. So we would like to spotlight him and his 
amazing abilities. His wonderful efforts at making us sound as professional as possible. Professional as possible. And he's got to listen to this probably. Like, I can't even imagine how many times he has to hear our voices (laughs) editing things. That poor guy. So we're sorry and thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, right. Okay. And speaking of thank yous. I would like to thank my friend Derek, and this is a walking, talking, like three-dimensional friend. Like a friend that he really like, has. Like a real a friend. A real boy. <laughs> a real boy. Derek has complimented all the hard work that we have been doing on the podcast and the improvements that we've made, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that means a lot coming yeah. from someone whose opinion I value so much. So thank you, Derek, for the compliments. Thank you for acknowledging the hard work that Ashley and I are doing. And just thank you for supporting the podcast. Yeah, thank you. That really went well with our spotlight. It all kind of rolled into one. Look at that. And we were going to acknowledge the fact Mm -hmm. that... We are in a new space. We are in a new space. And uh, we decided that since we were changing some things up, we'd change some things up. Mm -hmm. So again, this is going back to the brilliant work of our editor. Mm -hmm. I reached out to him and I was like, hey... Would it be possible to take just a few clips of Ashley and I being our most annoying, a.k.a. <laughs> Pretty much. Our most, like, natural, authentic like, selves. authentic, like, making mistakes and laughing at ourselves so that we can take a snippet here, snippet there, a little bit, 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 and roll it into just a new intro. So for those of you who have noticed, I hope that you're enjoying it. I do think some people have said that they maybe miss Grave in the Pines a little bit. <laughs> but I love the new intro. Maybe we could just have both. It's it just okay. it just makes me smile. It but me if smile. people think that we should do both, then reach out. Let yeah. us know. Yeah. We like the input. We always love input. We love input, but it's just fun for me. It's if we I think it's super cute. I love it. If we can't laugh at ourselves, which is exactly one of the things that you mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of our sillier, finer, more entertaining moments. They are some of our sillier, finer, more entertaining moments. I concur. I think we are officially into recommendations. Recommendations. Do you want to talk for a little bit or you want me to keep? (laughs) Yeah, you want me to go next. (laughs) Yes, please. I actually forgot about this show for a while. Well, it was, you know, on Netflix, the Dirty John series. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, it was obviously not just a show. It was a whole movement, really. Yeah, I there even was a listened. podcast and yeah, everything. Even, well, the podcast happened, and then they made the show based on the podcast. And who doesn't love Connie Britton? Of, car- of course. So, like, I watched that. It was really great. But I also listened to was Strictly Stalking, the podcast that had actually yeah. Deborah Newland yeah, yeah, and yeah. Tara, I think was the daughter's name. Sorry if I got that wrong. But, yeah, they had them on, and they told their part of the story, which was kind of, was really interesting to hear, like, the, well, this is what they got wrong kind of thing. Yeah. But anyways. Enough about that, because I'm going to talk about season two, if you haven't watched it. It's a great story. I've been, a lot of Christian Slater has been going on in my life recently, but he plays this role so well, uh, really, really well. And I don't know why my life has been like circling around him, whether it be an older movie or a newer TV show that he's in, but it's been a lot of him lately. I mean, there are worse, far worse situations (laughs) you could find yourself in. (laughs) But yeah, this story, I like how it even starts off because it really starts where you, where you don't know who or what's going to happen. Like you're, it's very like, I'm super into this because there's so many questions and they just do such a good job at at that. Not spilling the beans, which I'm terrible at. I could never write a show like that. But yeah, I would recommend if you forgot about the show, like I did, or you didn't even know there was a season two, I would watch that because it's really, really good. 
And the the actress who plays the lead, that's Amanda Pete, right? Yes. I love her. Yes. I think she's great. She does a great job. I think she's super talented. I think she's one of those actresses that doesn't uh, get enough recognition for how good she is. I can totally agree with that. No, 100%. Because she's one of those ones that I... You've seen a few times before and always does a phenomenal job, but I feel like isn't talked about enough. So yeah, I'm with you. She's in one of my absolute favorite movies. It's called A Lot Like Love. I know that movie. With Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a brilliantly done movie that I, again, I don't think gets enough recognition for how good it is. Now I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that. It's such a beautiful love story. Yeah, that's totally a Sierra movie. Sorry, sorry, Sierra. Everyone's going to know that you like... You like the romantic movies, but it's That's okay. I need one every now and then, though, with the amount of, like, just nasty nastiness that we put into our brains. You have to try to balance it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's your recommendation? Uh, Well, I recommend A Lot Like Love, and that just happens serendipitously. (laughs) The official recommendation, though, that I prepared for you today is, rather, The Suicide Squad, the new one. Oh my gosh, 2021. Yes. So good. I enjoyed it. So, so, so I good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Margot Robbie is an international treasure. Absolutely. I love her. I'm obsessed with the way that she portrays the character of Harley Quinn. Can we talk about the flowers? Yes. Oh, Was so, that not the most good editing. epic scene so freaking ever? Good. I. I never identified harder with a character. <laughs> I just loved, I literally was drinking wine on my couch watching this, just losing my mind. I was like, of course she's doing this in like a red gown. Oh yeah, 100%. And like combat boots or as something. It as, was so badass. As soon as her dress was, you know, ripped up, um, I looked at my sister and I saw my mom look at her and she goes, well, we see your Halloween costume. And I was like, I knew it. Like I knew it. I knew they were about to say that. <laughs> yep, yep. All right. So yeah, I recommend that too. I that's a Slay Queen's stamp of stamp approval of approval right there. I love it. So, All right, it's so your story next. So we're gonna we're at the beginning of the end. Beginning of the end. So we all know it's break time before yeah. we tell the story. Quick little break, and then we'll come back and tell a story. A story. All right. Okay. Okay. And it's time. We are back. 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 Back again. 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 <laughs> again yes uh, okay let's, let's so tell the story there were a lot of again 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 agains there for a purposeful reason we're actually telling this story for the second time that is true <laughs> yeah so we told the story once before recorded a whole ass episode a whole ass episode and but it was apparently just for the two of us yeah <laughs> I'm thinking about maybe throwing it up on the Patreon just so they can listen to it and just see how bad it was. Yeah, but the audio was not great. So we decided to table it for a little while and then come back to it. Yes. So it's been a few weeks, several weeks, some weeks. A couple weeks. A couple weeks. weeks. It's it's been some time. It's been some time. And we are here to tell this story again. We are. This is the story of the eight-day bride. I first saw this story on um, BuzzFeed Unsolved. You know that show? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I watch it on Hulu. Uh, I think you can also watch it on just YouTube, right? I would assume so. Yeah, I think you can, but I've definitely watched it on Hulu. But I originally was just binging that while I was at work one day or, you know, just something kind of random. And I was like, oh, that's a really interesting story. And there's a queer element. So I'd like to do that for the podcast sometime. And sometime is now. That's now's the time. The time <laughs> now has come. is the time to do it again. 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 And it'll be better than ever. Fingers sure. crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Okay. 
Sources include findagrave.com. I also use a really nice write-up on filmdaily.co. I also read and used some information obtained from an article that was published on thestar.com. The newspaper itself is the Toronto Star. And of course, that episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved, which if anybody's curious, you want to look up this specific episode. It's season four, episode three. It's titled The Mysterious Death of the Eight-Day Bride. Damn it. I didn't know there was that many seasons of it. There's a lot. I did not know it had been around that long. It has been around for a while. And just for like Beavis and Butthead laugh factor and whatnot, overall in the whole series, this episode is number 69. (laughs) (laughs) Can't not laugh. Can't not laugh at that. Ah, shit. Okay. Are we ready for this? I'm ready. All right. Let's do this again. Again. (laughs) Again. Again. On the evening of May 20th, 1947, the body of 22-year-old Christina Kettlewell was found on the banks of a river in Seven Falls, Ontario, Canada. The woman was clad in print pajamas, and she was face down in only nine inches of murky water, and she was lying only about 150 feet downhill from the charred remains of a cabin where she had been spending her honeymoon. Ah, that's terrible. Isn't that sad? Though, it's a little close to home. My it, wedding is literally two months out. Oh, yeah. To the day. Okay, so maybe don't spend... No, uh, that's just coincidental. <laughs> maybe don't spend no your cabin in the woods. No cabin in the woods for you two. Got it. Yeah, that never ends well for anybody anyway, right? right? No, you're totally right. I don't think Especially it does. Especially worded that way. You're not wrong. Though the newlyweds remains showed no sign of burn marks or signs of violence at all, really. Foul play was suspected. Ultimately, law enforcement would launch an investigation into what may have caused the young woman's death just eight days after her wedding. Hence the name, the eight-day bride. There it is. is. Full circle moment. An inquest which would unravel a confounding tale of elopement, life insurance policies, possible love triangles, plural, suicide letters, and attempted murder. That is is salacious (laughs) (laughs) talk about salacious all right so that's the opener that's me trying to really grab your attention i mean i'm interested now all right so prior to becoming known as the eight-day bride christina cecilia i apologize i am not sure of the correct pronunciation of this last name it's spelled m-o-c-o-n so Mokan, 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 Mokan. We're just going to try to refer to her as Christina. Yeah, Christina. All right. Christina was born August 7th of 1925, often referred to throughout her life as Chris. Christina was raised by her Roman Catholic Polish immigrant parents. Their names were Kaiser and Mary. And uh, she was from a town called Mimico in Ontario, Canada. As an adult, she continued living in her family's home, and she also worked at the local bank where Christina was described by her peers as, quote, a capable employee. And I mean, a capable, I guess employee. for the time, you know, like this yeah. was like the 30s, that's 40s. Fair. I guess for the time. You don't want to compliment a woman too much. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Keep you her in her place. Keep her in her place. Tell her she's capable so she'll stick around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But don't tell her she's the best employee you have because, you know, Bob and Larry over there yeah. might get offended. Right. <laughs> Bob and Larry. Uh. <laughs> You're not wrong. That's a very good point. Okay. So additionally, as a young woman, Christina would meet and fall in love with a World War II veteran named John Kettlewell. 
who was also often known or often called, known as, or often called Jack. So John Ray Kettlewell was born April 11th of 1921. So that makes him about four years older than Christina. Also from Mimico, Ontario, Canada. The two had actually known each other for about three years time before they decided to get married. And during those three years, Christina also met and developed a close relationship with John's best friend, a fellow by the name of Ronald Barry. Now, there's not a ton of background information out there about Ronald Barry, or if there is, I wasn't able to locate it. But we do know that he seems to have been born approximately around the year 1919, that he was originally named Ronnie Cufo. And he spent the majority of his life in northern Italy before he immigrated to Canada. We also know that during this time, Ronald or Ronnie was primarily supporting himself by working full time as a professional ballroom dancer. Oh, I love to hear it. Yes, ma'am. And he was doing some side work in the insurance business and maybe put just like a little, little teeny tiny little little pin in that. Why is it that like when someone's side job is something to do with insurance, it's always like a red flag. 100 percent. And it's always just not it's sketchy. It's sketch. It's sketch. <laughs> it always is. It's sketch. Also, I'm looking sketch. at pictures of uh, John, a.k.a. Jack Kettlewell over here on the Google bot. And mm-hmm. like he was a very handsome man. They were all. She was a really pretty she was woman. A too. Beautiful she was woman. She looks a bit like the Black Dahlia to me. I can see that. Stunning, right? 100%. Yeah. Very beautiful woman. So let's do a quick recap of that because there were a lot of names and, yeah. and whatnot. So let's just do a quick recap. We've got Christina, John, and Ronald, who are going to also intermittently be referred to as Chris, Jack, and Ronnie. They're all 20-somethings. They're all living and working in New York City. No, no, that's friends. That's not this story. <laughs> No, they're all uh, twenty somethings. They're exactly they hang out at a coffee shop. They maybe two of them are brother and sister. (laughs) No, no, no. Let's not do any of that. All right, all of them are twenty somethings. They're living and working in Ontario, Canada. Christina and John are dating and they're talking about marriage. John and Ronald are best friends, and since Christina and Ronald are the two most important people in John's life, the three spend a lot of time together. Which leads to Chris or Christina and Ronald also developing a friendship, right? Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes 100%, sense. percent. Yeah. Yeah. So not super complicated or unusual, right? Well, <laughs> well, not everybody who knew these people and these relationships would agree that you know it's not so complicated or not so unusual. Because first and foremost, to go ahead and get the least complicated of all the complications out of the way. Christina's family didn't really approve of her relationship with John, and they definitely didn't support the idea of the two getting married. And the reason was because John was not a Roman Catholic. As residents of the fine city of Cincinnati, Ashley, I think you and I both know that Catholics marrying other non-Catholics is not... It's not going to happen. It's not the thesis. Like, it's not really a thing. And we say that because there's a huge Catholic population here in Cincinnati. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so easy fix. John becomes Catholic. There you go. Right? He took the necessary steps, the appropriate steps to become Catholic so that he could then marry Christina with, hopefully, with her family's blessing. Right? Which is something... 
I've had family members do. I have a cousin who converted to Catholicism so that she could marry uh, her husband. I've definitely heard of it before. I've heard of it with many different, you know, religions, but definitely that's oh, one. I mean, it's not easy to do. Hunter's mom. Hunter's mom really? converted to uh, Catholicism, Catholicism as well. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like, not unusual. It's not unusual around here for sure. Totally. Yeah. Because again, huge Catholic influence, influence population, et cetera, et cetera, around here. All right. So John's a Catholic. But the family still doesn't approve. They're still like, no. They're still like, Mm-mm, no, something about this doesn't seem right to They're us. Never going to be good enough. Yeah. They reportedly couldn't understand the ever looming presence of John's best friend, Ronald. And they were left feeling unsettled by the, quote, inordinate amount of time the three spent together, end quote. It made us wonder if Ronnie was also in love with Chris, which was a question that was posed by Christina's sister, Helen. Still, others outside of the family had their own concerns, and they were different concerns, right? Sure. You see, the men's close relationship and frequent trips alone together were a topic of conversation amongst the locals. People speculated that there may be more to that relationship than met the eye. Mm-hmm. People suspected a, uh, what'd you call it the last time we recorded this? Not just a good Judy. Not just a good Judy, but I think you said a Brokeback Mountain type situation. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Sometimes efficient trips, oh, not yeah, just a fishing right. trip. That's right. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So in short, no one outside of the three in the relationship or relationships understood or approved of basically any components of what they perceived to be happening. Sure. It wasn't just like, okay, only her parents or only this person or this like weird little conspiracy theory group. No, it was like everyone who knew them was kind of like, what's going on there? What's going on? And not to say that people's concerns aren't valid. Yeah, Um, but this is also a time where like everyone... When something in the town happened, everybody came out and, like, was, like, watching it and talking about it. Like, yeah. we would have fit in a lot better back then when true crime was going <laughs> on. And, like, did you see? Did you hear? You yeah. know? But, like, so, of course, people are going to be yeah. talking about this. Yeah. If some of their concerns, as we're going to hear, may be very valid. If people were concerned about, like, maybe a polyamorous, like, sort of nature of the relationship, it makes sense for the time. But Absolutely. I... But I, now it would be like, okay, y'all exactly. get out of their business. Exactly. Get Why are out we of talking their business. about this? Yeah. I mean, at the time, people shouldn't have cared about it's it. It's still but unacceptable we, exactly. how society worked. Yeah, we, time. as a population of people, have evolved a lot more in like our thinking and acceptance of certain things. And what's appropriate and what's not. Absolutely. Especially in a time of like grieving. <laughs> yeah. So, where are we? So, what is one to do in the face of all of this adversity? Mm-hmm. What's one to do? What is one to do? Uh, they elope, of course. That's right. Yeah. So, on May 12th of 1947, which incidentally came after a suspicious two-week disappearance from her family's home, Christina became Mrs. Christina Kettlewell in an elopement-style ceremony. Those who encountered her in the days leading up to the wedding would later report that Christina had been acting strangely and, quote, seem, seemed drugged, which now those are valid concerns to have. Absolutely. If, I mean, you disappeared and then you seem not yourself. You seem not yourself. We'll absolutely. Say. And then you get married. People might question whether she was in, in the right state of in mind. the right state of mind yeah. and perfectly agreeable to that. Sure. Who knows? We're going to see that. There are reasons that uh, people might be concerned. I think I've said that before, but I'm going to keep <laughs> saying it. It's the general theme It's here. the general theme here. 
So after the elopement, she and her new husband, John, spent a few days together in an apartment on Tyndall Avenue in Toronto with Ronald Barry. Which, see, this is where, yeah, I'm like, mm, now at this point, I might even be like, what the hell's going on over there? Yeah. Because, like, that's just piquing my curiosity at this yeah. point. Like, Not really okay, in a, a negative way. Exactly. Not really in a negative way. Yeah, I'm just sort of like, okay, you're just like, like, are y'all together? Exactly. Like, is this what's going on? Like... I just have basic I'm fine human. With that. Yeah, I just have basic uh, human curiosity. Are Truly. y'all are y'all a thing? Yeah, all of y'all a thing? Because especially if you're trying to say like we're not, he's just my best friend. He had, he just has separation anxiety. He'd be like, <laughs> all right, well, I guess that's fine if that's how you want to live life. That's that on that. That is <laughs> as Ashley would say. But yeah, they spent their honeymoon together. So yeah, which I agree. If you are not in a like truple or thruple right. type relationship. It is unusual to for you as a couple to spend your honeymoon with a third person. With a friend who's not yeah. involved. Yeah. On May 17th, the trio then headed out to a remote cottage-style cabin in Severn Falls, which was actually owned by Ronald, but it was only accessible by boat, which I thought was just a little interesting piece of information, so I included it. It's eerie in a way. It's almost a little ominous. Yeah, like— right? Like I feel she's like anybody trapped who, there. Yeah, anybody who has, like, a place that you can only go to by boat, like, what do you need that for? Yeah. Because I definitely feel like there's dead bodies there. Well, and we know. <laughs> I don't we know. know. That's just what, that's my true crime brain. Well, we know that she ends up dead. So, yeah. like, that's I think. That's why it, we're here. It, yeah, it's, it's looming. Uh, it is. Over the situation. So I think that makes it sound even a little more ominous. It does. Creepy. It sounds like the beginning of a horror movie, truly. <laughs> it <laughs> you absolutely know? does. So then if any of the folks are paying close attention or doing the math or whatever, just three days, three days after their arrival at the cottage, Christina would be found dead in that shallow pool of water. I didn't do the math, but that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> that's only three days. That's yeah. such a bummer. I mean, it's such, ugh, it's so, such a sad story. Yeah. So what the fuck happened? Yeah, right? what happened? What the fuck? WTF. During their time at the cottage, it's reported that Christina began to act out of character. She would go into fits of crying and hysterics, while at other times she seemed completely dazed and confused. Evidence suggests that also during uh, those three days, Christina had conversations with Ronald, questioning whether or not John truly loved her. Then on the morning of May 20th, Ronald reported that he cooked breakfast for the three, cooked breakfast for the group, before leaving the cabin to go sunbathing. A short time later, he would return to discover that the cabin was on fire. Ronald rushed into the structure to find John in an apparent stupor. He was kind of stumbling around, seemed confused. And he noted that John, or Ronald noted that John had what appeared to be an injury on his head. So that explained kind of the stumbling in the stupor. The man took his friend out of the burning building to safety and went back in to search for Christina. There was no sign of her. So he exited once again, just as the members of the local community were arriving to help, like, contain or put out the fire. Since people were there and they were helping to fight the fire and whatnot, Ronald rushed John to the hospital for medical treatment while the others stayed behind and, again, contained the fire. Despite their efforts, the bystanders would report that the cabin burnt to the ground in one hour's time. Wow. Pretty quickly. But I also maybe consider the fact that it... I'm it sure is a cabin. It's a cabin. I'm sure it wasn't a huge space, right? And also, too, if it was, like... If it hadn't rained for a while, if That's it was true. dry. Yeah. It's true. You're smart that way. I like to camp, okay? <laughs> Shocking, I know, right? Shocking <laughs> information. 
All right. So while hospitalized, I don't have a Subaru though. Anyway, go do you, on. yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, do you own Birkenstocks? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I'm sure I do too somewhere. <laughs> so while hospitalized, John was treated for burn injuries, a head injury, and was discovered to have been drugged sometime prior to the event. Hours later, Christina's body was discovered by a man named Neville Sweet, who was the owner of a home like in that same area where the cabin was. And those who had helped fight the fire thought that it was strange the location where Neville discovered Christina's body. They thought that was strange because that was the same area that they had been like going to the river to get water to put on the house fire or the the cottage fire. Okay, so like, how did she get there? How did she get there? They said, we were just there. Now she's there all of a sudden. And we didn't see her there, and now she's there all of a sudden. Or or was she? Sure, sure. Spoiler, we we never really truly find out, like, was her body there, and they were just so distracted and moving so quickly to try and contain this fire. Yeah. Or had it been in the water and washed up really quickly? Yeah, had it. Exactly, exactly. And you just didn't happen to see it washing up because you were busy with what you were doing. Exactly. Yeah. Or a combination of all these things. Upon release from the hospital, John was questioned by the police in excess of three hours. However, he could not provide any details surrounding Christina's death. And he also claimed that he had no memory of anything that had occurred that day before approximately 11 a.m. That's kind of the timeline where he said he stopped remembering exactly what had happened. An autopsy, of course, was conducted and attempts to shed some light on what had happened to Christina, what had happened to this eight-day bribe. Her official cause of death was determined to be drowning, and codeine was actually discovered in her stomach. Mm -hmm. This, of course, led investigators to question the only other known person who was involved in the situation and saw Christina on the day that she died and was in the cabin, et cetera, et cetera, who, of course, was Ronald Barry. Arana Barry. <laughs> Barry. Barry Barry. I think I've been saying both, so I apologize. Let's just go with, I think it's Barry as well. Ronald was questioned for a grueling 13 hours, in which time he provided a 3,000-word statement that the police would describe as, quote, fantastic. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> fantastic. Which, which, okay, so there's more than one definition of the word fantastic. I'm assuming what they mean here is the definition of fantastic that goes a little something like imaginative, fanciful, or remote from reality. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the literal way of the word, I exactly. guess. Literal description of the word. Literal description. And we will talk about that a bit more because it's going to come up during the inquest. And... Are any of us wondering exactly, or at least the folks from the United States, people from the U.S., are we wondering what an inquest is? A little bit, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure. All right. So on June 19th, an official inquest into the tragic death of Christina Kettlewell began. And for those who are wondering, an inquest is defined as, quote, a judicial inquiry to ascertain the facts relating to an incident such as death, end quote. So essentially what it is, is it's a trial to determine whether or not there should be a trial. (laughs) Right. Yeah. A jury hears witness statements, investigation findings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then from that, they determine whether or not they think that there's foul play in a situation. And if there is, 
Then criminal charges are brought against those who are believed to be responsible. And then a real trial happens. It's really not a bad idea. It's it's smart unless it does something like weird for like the amount of taxes you're paying. Yeah, that's you know true. what I mean? Like how much more court time is this going to take up? And that's what people wouldn't like about it. Yeah, it, at least especially the if people... you're someone on the jury. It, yeah. And do you have to sit for both trials? I would think so. Right. Yeah. And how many people would say like, oh, this doesn't need to go to trial just so I don't have to take more time off work. You know? <laughs> exactly. That's a good point. All right. So the inquest took place at the courthouse in Bracebridge, Ontario. The case had drawn national attention by that time and garnered sensational media coverage. Because of that, the courtroom was packed with spectators, while women even lined up outside to get autographs and take photos with John and Ronald as they entered and exited the building. We see that a lot with like murderers and whatnot, but you did uh, say earlier, I mean, these were particularly attractive individuals. So of course, women were looking at them like, yeah, people were looking at them like they were celebrities. Yes. All right. So C.P. Hope, the special crown counsel at the inquest, zeroed in on Ronald Berry's shady presence and the suspicions, rather, surrounding the relationship between the two men from the very beginning. So, like, he was like, WTF, I want to know what's going on between you two. Hope called Ronald, quote, a liar of the most blatant kind whose sinister figure permeates the whole of this tragedy, but whose purpose and design are shrouded in mystery, end quote. Which is, damn, girl. Shrouded in mystery. <laughs> That's I a like lot. That. That's a lot. Yeah. Investigation findings revealed a number of inexplicable and dubious money transactions connecting back to Ronald at the time when he was essentially otherwise broke. Mm-hmm. And I have in my notes here, I guess it was a slow season for ballroom dancing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I wouldn't think that he would be broke, but I mean, yeah. maybe, who knows? He Maybe he doesn't know how to save. Yeah. Maybe he's an <laughs> irresponsible spender. Yeah. Same, girl. Same. Two separate $5,000 life insurance policies for John and Christina were taken out just before the two eloped. The policies carried a double indemnity provision, meaning that two times the amount would be paid out in the case of accidental death. And when you adjust that amount of money for today's inflations, it's worth about $260,000. Yeah, that blows my mind. Yeah. Care to take a guess who the beneficiary of those policies was? Who would you think? Good old Ronnie. Good old Ronnie. Good old Ronnie. Also, around that same time, Ronald purchased a $5,000 insurance policy on the cottage, or what would be the equivalent of $65,000 today. $65,000. Yeah. Yeah, that paid one out. gets me too. Yeah, paid out should it, you know, be destroyed by a fire, fire. or, you know, <laughs> something. Also, I do want to point out here that I didn't actually read anything that specifically said that these policies were written by or sold by Ronald Berry. But, I mean, if my best friend sold insurance... Did insurance, right? And I were taking out new insurance policies, I would probably go to that person. Yeah, I mean, my insurance agent is my best friend's husband. So, yeah. Yeah, Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Do do with that information what you will. What you will. We're just saying that this is how we do or would behave Mm -hmm. in a a comparable situation. So, like I said, yeah, I find it extremely hard to believe that someone else sold him those insurance policies. But that's just my opinion. I have that in my notes several times. Right. Just our opinions. (laughs) Yeah, just our opinions. 
Other questionable financial dealings included the fact that John had turned over all his wartime gratuities, aka the lump sum of cash he was paid by the Crown for his service during World War II. Guess who he turned those over to? Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am, to old Ronald himself. Mm. When asked during the inquest to explain these actions, John reportedly gave weak answers which did not satisfy the Crown lawyer. So, the court was presented with an exhibit which offered love as a possible motive. Remember when the police questioned John for three hours after he was discharged from the hospital about Christina's death? Yes. Well, apparently during that time, during that interrogation, he admitted to a long-term love affair with his best friend, Ronald. Oh, he did. There it is. Mm-hmm. However, when faced with this during the actual inquest itself, John stated that this was a theory which was created by the police and they essentially forced him to make a statement corroborating it under duress. Sure. Which is a sort of thing that it happens. It definitely happens, yeah. We hear about those, like, forced confessions during, like, hours upon hours of interrogation. Yeah, no. Right? And someone will eventually crack. Like, what do they say in Reservoir Dogs? He's like, if you interrogate him long, or if you torture him long enough, he'll tell you who started the goddamn Chicago fire that doesn't necessarily make it fucking so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's true, though. Eventually, they're just going to tell you what, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. Just to get you to stop. Just to make it stop. Yeah. So... He says, yeah, I said that, but they made me. It's not really true. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, though, mm-hmm. uh, remember that Ronald also was interrogated, and he was interrogated for 13 hours. Mm. And when asked about the nature of his relationship with John, Ronald, too, stated that the two men were more than just friends. He admitted that they had had a sexual relationship at one point, but it was a brief affair. It wasn't long term and that they had broken it off a long time ago. Then ultimately, after more vigorous questioning, John finally, finally, finally admitted that he and Ronald had, in fact, been, quote, male lovers, end quote. Boom. Boom, boom, boom. In the boom, boom, boom. With that, (laughs) the court's theory was as follows. Ronald Berry seduced and dominated the quiet and reserved John Kettlewell, after which he manipulated that man into marrying and murdering Christina for his own financial gain, which honestly, in my honest opinion, it makes sense. It makes sense. It tracks. I buy it. And the reason I buy it is because the two men independent of one another, both said that they had had a relationship romantic or sexual with one another. And all those like shady, like insurance policies that were taken out right before they eloped. And it, it just, if that, if the shady money dealings didn't exist, totally, I kind, of, like, eh, who knows? I kind of wouldn't buy it, Yeah, but I kind of buy it. It lines up way too much, especially when we know that money can be such a motive, especially that amount of money. Exactly. And that was a lot of money and at the time. someone who doesn't, who clearly lives outside of their means, mm-hmm. which, as we mentioned before, like spending money he didn't have, basically. And the fact that there's not a lot of information about him before he moved to Canada leads me to believe that maybe he, he tried to erase his past. In he a way. was involved in some shady shit back in Italy. Yeah, so, I absolutely believe that. Yeah. All right, so that brings us back to Ronald's fantastic three thousand word statement and his air quotes explanation for what had happened to Christina. You see, Ronald suggests that he had been the keeper of her dark secrets. And that was the reason he stayed so close to the couple. And that was the reason he joined them on their honeymoon. Mm -hmm. 
Ronald claimed that for months, Christina had been struggling with mental health issues, suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation, and had even attempted both suicide and murder-suicide. So before, like, we all call complete bullshit and eye roll and whatnot, he provided, like, air quotes proof Mm -hmm. of this, but we'll talk about the proof (laughs) and what we think in just a minute. But he provided three suicide notes that a handwriting analysis expert would testify were undoubtedly written by Christina. The first note was dated uh, Sunday, April 6th, which was actually Easter Sunday that year. And it revealed that she had attempted suicide by poisoning due to her uncertainty surrounding whether or not she would receive a marriage proposal from John. I remember that. The second note, which was written at the end of April, and I couldn't find a more specific date, but it was written at the end of April, stated that she had attempted to poison both herself and John. Mm -hmm. And then Christina's explanation wrote, it read, quote, when you love someone, you really love him. And I know there is no one for me but Jack. And if I cannot have him, I do not intend anyone else to. I waited, as you might say, in hope that Jack would ask me to marry him. But I realize now I am just a passing fancy. End quote. So the drama. Oh, the drama of it the all. The drama. The drama of it all. The third and final note was written while they were at the cabin. And it says, quote, Ronnie is in the boathouse outside somewhere. By the time he gets back, everything will be over with. He must have been afraid something was going to happen because he is staying an extra day to make sure we go back to Toronto with him, end quote. Ronald went on to explain that he had saved the letters from the cabin fire when he was unable to locate her when he went back in to try to find her, and that he kept her secrets from everyone, including John, until this inquest. Get out of here. Like, out of all the things to take out of the cabin, you're going to take the suicide notes that prove that you didn't have anything get out of here yeah it just it's too neat it's like the evidence just lines up too properly is all i agree it's 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 too neat it's a bit too grandiose it's a bit much and also how did he know the third letter existed right that's very good point how would he even know what that yeah yeah and like you're meaning to tell me that you are that close with your best friend and you wouldn't tell him because in theory, well, yeah, because in theory, if we're to believe what she, you know, air quotes, she wrote in the last letter, yeah. she wrote it when he left the cabin to go sunbathing. That's sure. while he was out. He was so out. how would he even how would he even know to look for that letter? Right. That's you what know I'm what I mean? Saying. So I, I make any sense. yeah, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. OK, where were we? Ronald went on to explain that he had kept her secrets and etc., etc., and this all was coming out in the inquest. With that, the final counter-theory was as follows. On the day she died, struggling with her own mental and behavioral health, Christina waited for Ronald to leave the cabin before drugging both herself and John and then setting the cabin on fire. When John was not incapacitated by the medication she had given him, she struck him over the head with some sort of object in an attempt to try and incapacitate him. Mm-hmm. That's, of course, what caused the injury and the ultimate mermaid loss, et cetera, et cetera. When Ronald returned, and they theorized that he returned before Christina had kind of planned for him to. Sure. Before she and John had perished in the cabin fire, Christina fled the cabin, 
lost consciousness due to the codeine that she had drugged herself with, the codeine that was found in her stomach, and drowned in the nearby riverbank. And again, I think that's possible. It's possible, for sure. It's unlikely. But it's possible. (laughs) But it is possible. Stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. I think it's extremely unlikely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It like, again, it's possible. It's just probably not. It's just probably not what happened. And it, it's too neat. Like you said. Yeah. It makes, it was too, it's too planned out. It was too easy to arrive at the answer. Exactly. Okay. So what happened in the end? Mm -hmm. The inquest jury was unable to come to a definitive decision on whether or not foul play had been involved in Christina's death which meant the case was not pursued criminally and that John and Ronald were not going to face any charges and they were free to go. Gee, that's insane. It, it's, it's pretty cray. I can't believe that. John Kettlewell went on to marry for a second time. That was three years after Christina's death. He and his second wife would have one child, a son whose name was Richard. John and his second wife separated in 1969 but they never divorced, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I wonder why. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was a a marriage of convenience. I was going to say that could be what it's about. Like, yeah, this is my wife when I need her to be. Yeah. Kind of thing. Maybe. And then, uh, sadly, John passed away on January 6th of 1998. And then as far as old Ronald Barry... Ronald and John actually remained friends until 1956, so a few years after Christina passed away, at which time Ronald moved to New York City, baby. And as far as anyone knows, he completely disappeared and was not heard from again. So he probably moved to, again, another new country, mm-hmm. probably changed his name again. New identity. New identity. Maybe a new person now. And he got the money. Right. That's true. You have plenty of money to live on until yep. you at least find another. Oh, I mean, shoot. So you at least find another job. But yep. like it's enough for a while. Yep. And the other thing that I didn't actually put in my notes that I ran across in my research. And if anybody does their own research about this case, the really interesting thing was that John, you know, we talked about how he married a second time and they had a son. Mm-hmm. Right. So the way that. The son and the son's wife discovered that this was a thing was not because anybody had ever told them, not because John had ever told them Mm -hmm. about his first wife and her death and the trial and whatnot. They were doing like a family tree like style project and happened upon this information in just their research. Way. Yeah. Could you imagine? He never told them. Well, and like if, okay. I'm sorry, maybe it's my true crime brain, but if, like, I found that out and I, like, my family member had never told me, I would be like, well, he didn't tell me because he fucking did it. Like, exactly. That's exactly. There's a reason why you didn't bring any of this shit up. I'd like, be like, you guilty fucker. Right? Like, oh, my God. Like, I would never look at you the same again. That's again, crazy. just our opinion. Just what our opinion. I was looking up while you were so wonderfully telling me that story oh, was you. what's actually there. There's a really cool, um, like, kind of cabin style house Mm -hmm. on that land now it's like really i kind of want to go i wonder if it's like an airbnb or someone actually lives there (laughs) (laughs) it looks really cool and someone had commented that there was like a chimney of some kind left behind okay from that cabin i don't know that it's still there or not i didn't get that far but i did see that they had commented and said that uh growing up they people like kids would say that that was haunted 
Oh, I'm sure. So I'm like, oh, haunted I by what... a lady in floral pajamas. I'm 100 <laughs> just pissed. Like, why yeah. can't someone figure this out for me? Like, come on, it wasn't me. It wasn't my fault. I was totally Kurt Cobained. What's happening? Yeah, and that is really horrible for her. Yeah, it's really horrible. She's for probably her. a tortured soul still there. And you know, the thing is, is that even if so, this handwriting analysis expert, which we know is not like a real science, and even them, back then, especially, yeah. Forget about it. So even if she truly had written those letters, people reported that she had been behaving strangely in the days before. People reported that she seemed as though she had been drugged. There was obviously codeine found. See something, say something. Exactly. See something, say something. But she may have been made to write these letters under duress. That's true, too, which we've seen that happen before. I've heard that happen quite a few times. Yeah. Or maybe she was just so manipulated. In this situation that she would agree to do or say or write anything they asked her to or told her to. Yeah. Or maybe they just faked it. Yeah. That's, there's um, so many what ifs. Yeah. And unfortunately, it is such an old case that it's like, when would we ever have an answer, right? We probably wouldn't, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Because back in the day, if you destroyed evidence with fire, it was gone. It's gone, gone. <laughs> it gone, gone. Gone, girl, gone. Which is why that so many people think that nowadays that's how it is, but it's really not. It's really we not. News for you. Yep. Forensic science has, has advanced. really advanced. Quite so, a bit. So don't kill people. No. And definitely don't try to cover up crimes. By, by burning things. By burning things yeah. and setting it on fire. That's not okay. Just tells more of a story, really. Yeah. I know I heard a case, a podcast that I was listening to, where they were actually able to take the cremated remains of a victim and test those. So Uh ashes test those for, I think it was cyanide. That's insane. Because I've actually, there was one case that I remember, it just sticks in my head of like a woman getting away, you know, with murdering her husband and 30 years later. They had like some other proof that it was her, mm-hmm. but the only way to tell was to, like to test the the body. But yeah. she had had him cremated. Had she, or no, she hadn't had him cremated. Had she had him cremated, they wouldn't have been able to yeah. prove what was going on. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if anybody ever sees this episode, they're gonna know what to do. But there you go. Yeah. See, look, even more advances, even if even after cremation. That's so, kind of awesome. So the moral of the story is just don't kill people. Don't kill people. You're not gonna get away with it. No, just don't do it. Don't just like get them out of your life some other way. Move. I don't know. Block them on Instagram. Just keep it pumping, sis. Yeah. Keep keep it it pumping, queen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. If you enjoyed what you heard. Yes. What can they do? Please go over to Apple iTunes podcasts, whatever the hell it's called. Go to Apple podcasts and give us a nice five star rate we would love a good review we love reading the reviews they're so sweet so kind you can also contact us at slayqueenspod at gmail.com send us a little dive into the dms you know on instagram slayqueenspod got twitter mm-hmm. we're active on there and go check out the patreon give us some of your monies yeah give us some of your money i think I'm, right. i said it the last time i think i'm going to say it again yeah it takes a lot of money to be this cheap that's right <laughs> it does i actually might just start saying that every time we mention the patreon because it's a take on a dolly parton quote of course i love that yeah Yeah. no i'm totally with it and dolly is my queen oh yeah and i guess the last thing is go out and slay queens just just not not each each other other. and not your not your bride not your beard 
Not your beard. <laughs> That's right. Not your bride beard. Bye. Bye. Folks. <laughs>